Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. God, I pray for this service today, God. Thank you for the miracles that have already happened. Thank you for the for the people that have been healed in the service with their hands laid hands on. Thank you, God, for the for the miracles of people that were baptized. Thank you for the little baby that was dedicated to you, God. Lord, we rejoice in every single aspect of that. And God, I pray that as your word goes forth, I pray that it doesn't return void, but it accomplishes what it's meant and it's sent to do. And God, as we talk about this little light of mine, I pray, Lord, that we don't leave it here on the seat. Lord, we take it wherever we go, whatever we do. Lord, move mightily in our midst. Move mightily in our midst. Spirit of the living God, pour out your spirit on all flesh today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to see you in church today. Look at your other neighbor who is your second choice. And say, you look like you could use a little church. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in a series here, and this is the the very last one called This Little Light of Mine. How many of y'all have gotten something out of the text over the last couple of weeks? Amen. Three of you. Praise the Lord. I hope that you three become raiders and warriors. Come on, somebody. But, uh, hey, I'm going to tell you a great way for this little light of mine to show in your life is tonight down at the arena from 5 to 7. We're going to have our uh, fall festival event. We got candy there brought to you by Amarillo Dental Group. Um, We got fried foods that was donated by Amarillo Heart Group. Um, We have lots of people that are are behind us and... uh, Hey, that's a great way over the years. We've had thousands of people down there, and that's a great way for Arena of Life to say this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And uh, if you're not signed up to help, bring your kids down there. Make sure they come see me and Pastor Brandy. I always have a bunch of candy on me, and uh, I'll give you everything but the almond joys. They stay with me. All right? Praise God. Well, uh, in this story of this little light of mine, the very first week, if you were here, we started out of Matthew chapter 5. And he's the Sermon on the Mount, and, he, and I believe it's the heart of God. In fact, if he was to come in here today, and he was to say the, see the world that we're living in and all the stuff that we're seeing on the news and stuff like that, he would share the same thing that he shared in Mark chapter 5 when he said, uh, um, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, then how, how can it be seasoned? It'll be trampled on by foot by men. And then he goes on to say, you're the light of the world, the city that is set on the hill. He said, you don't put a light under a bushel, but you put it on a lampstand that it'll shine. And then at the end, he says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I love the scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good and that his mercy endures forever. And here's the thing. How will your family, how will your neighbors, how will your coworkers, how will the world outside of these four walls of this church taste if you are not salt? How will they ever see if you're not light? And so God's called us and commissioned us. The Bible tells us this about the Lord, that he seeks and saves. The Bible tells us in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, it says the Son of Man came to seek and save those things that were which were lost. It tells us that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. How many of y'all know we serve a good God? 
that we serve a, a, a Jesus that, that's always searching for lost things. It doesn't that he cares about us. We need to come to a place when we come found that we get discipled in the house of the Lord and around other people. But I'll tell you this, his focus goes from lost people to lost people to lost people to lost people. Even when you're in loss in a marriage, even when you're in loss, come on, in, in, in your body, I'm telling you, he's after finding things that are lost. Can I get an amen out there? I said last week, one time we, we lost a, a child, Anson, at the Millennium Mall. I'll never forget it. And I could have told you guys then. I could have said, you know what? We have four kids. I'm batting 75% right now. Who cares about the other one? But Anson, this is what we did. He's giving me this look like, what? You didn't say that? No, I didn't say that. But I remember Anson, we stopped everything. We did Gigi, Papa. We went to security because the problem was is you ran. You didn't stop. He just kept running, looking for us everywhere else. You know, that's what we do when we're in the world. We just keep running. But you know what? What the father does, he keeps searching. He keeps looking. And we stopped everything we could to find him. Can I tell you that's the heart of God? That's the heart of God. That, so we've got to be salt and light. In the second service, second time, uh, uh, last week, if you're here, I talked about telling our story. And the Bible tells us 1 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3. If you haven't been here on Wednesday nights, Pastor Robert's been talking about defending our faith, but he says, always give an account. Be ready to give an account and defend the faith and the things that God has done in your life. And we looked at the story of Saul, and if you know the story, he goes from Saul to Paul. How many of y'all know he changed your name? Come on, how many of y'all can testify and say he changed my name, right? That I once was a crooked, no good, counterfeit, name all of those, but now I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, behold, everything's become brand new. And so anyways, uh, talking about telling the story, Saul, we read about it in Acts chapter 9. We see it in Acts 23, Acts 29. And it's the story, especially when he's standing before the king of Agrippa. And he says, I think myself happy. But it's two chapters of his mess. And the, it's probably 12 chapters of the miracle. See, last week, I think we get um, messed up when we, you know, when we see the guy. Remember the guy that stood out in front of Midas? And he would have the, the microphone, and he was telling everybody where they were going to go. You're going straight to hell. I used to love to go by there and heckle those guys because they think they're evangelists. Can I tell you what an evangelist is? An evangelist is not me telling the story about you. It's me telling the story about how God changed my life. That's what an evangelist is. And that's what God's called us to be, to tell your story. And because of your story of how he set you free from drugs and alcohol, how he's brought you out of a, a, a financial thing or how he's restored your marriage, as you tell your story to somebody else who's going through the same thing, your comeback will come, become his cause for Christ in their life. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, I want to piggyback off of that. <clears throat> and I was really trying to think about a title for this one, Salt and Light, Tell Your Story. But this one is called That's My Job. And you can thank Conway Twitty for that. I was down at the barn uh, this last week, an old song, Conway Twitty, came on, and uh, I, I, I felt the presence of Conway Twitty come in the room with big, poofy hair, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, he's singing, that's my job, look at her, she's singing it, that's what I do, everything I do is because of you, keep you safe with me, all right, I'm stopping, <clears throat> I even got the nasally country. You know, that's when country music was country, though, right? Come on, with like real men, not skinny jeans. Come on, somebody. 
Anyway, I was thinking about that particular song, and today I want to talk about That's My Job. Are you ready? Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, and, uh, and, and really, I probably shouldn't call it a job, but it's how many of y'all know we have an assignment, we have a commission by the Lord to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, in Luke chapter 8, uh, I want to talk about the madman of Gadara, but I would be, it would be criminal of me to tell this story without telling what happens beforehand. How many of y'all know the, the, the place that you're in today, there was things that set up for it in the place that you're out today? Like, You've grown, from, you've grown from that season into the season you are today. And now this season is setting up this season that you're going into. And so in Luke chapter 8 and verse 22, it says this. And I love this. This is the Amplified. Now on one of those days. How many of y'all have ever had one of those days? <laughs> Come on. How many of y'all have ever just had, you know, it's just been one of those days. It's one of those days Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. This, we know from history, this is about 20 miles. He's going across the lake, the Sea of Galilee. So they set out. But as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Maybe I'll just take this time right here that, uh, to say that God blesses the nap. In fact, I believe this is Sunday right here. How many of y'all know there's not a better nap than on a Sunday afternoon nap? You know what I'm talking about? Like you put on football, you're not really watching football, you're more sleeping than anything else. I don't even turn football on. I have this chair. When I go to that chair, my mouth goes wide open and I catch bugs for 30 minutes at least. It wears me out. But how many of y'all know there's nothing like a Sunday afternoon nap? God anoints the nap. That's the, mess, that's the message I'm trying to preach to you right now. That God anoints the nap. Amen? Some of y'all need to hear that because you need to take a nap. You're a little fussy today because you hadn't slept and you need to get a nap, all right? And it says, and a fierce gale of wind swept down on the lake, and they began to be swamped and were in great danger. Can I just point this out? Did Jesus say, let's go to the other side? They're following. Yes, he did. Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> he said, let us cross the other side. So he said, let us cross the other side. And when he did, a storm arose. Can I tell you this? You can follow God's voice and a storm will still arise. Can I tell you right now that you may be right in the will of God because of the storm that you're in? Right in the storm of where you are. I just want to tell you, if I, could, if I had time right now, I would talk about faith of getting through the storm. Because we wouldn't have kids today if we wouldn't have battled through the storm. Come on, we wouldn't be in the place of ministry today. We wouldn't have three paid off buildings because I'm telling you in 2008, it was at a place where we were thinking, should we keep having church or not? But we stood through the storm and I'm telling you, God is faithful today and we're paid off three buildings. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Completely debt free, arena of life. I'm just telling you this. When you hear God's voice, you just be get ready because the enemy comes in like a flood. But can I tell you, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Come on, somebody, <clears throat> that even though you've been, you're in a storm right now and you've heard God's voice, the enemy will do everything he can to stop you of that. But look at this. He said, they came to Jesus, woke him, how rude, saying, Master, Master, we are about to die. We not, may almost die. We may die. I'm not sure if we'll die. They, no, they say, listen, we are about to die. So he got up, rebuked in the, rage, the wind and the raging violent waves, and they ceased, and it became calm. Can I tell you the same power, resurrection power that was in, in Jesus, the authority that he spoke to the storm? I'm telling you, you have the authority today. 
Men, you ought to go home today, and if you got something going on in your marriage, you better speak to that. Get that enemy out of there. If something's going on with your kids, you have the authority on the inside of you to speak to those things. Come on, how many of y'all know sometimes in a family you got to have a powwow and talk the enemy out the living room and get him out the door. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. So that's what he does. And he said to them, where is your faith? I want to ask the people of God today the same thing, where is your faith? You should not go anywhere without your faith. You should have packed it in a bag and brought it. Come on, put your faith in a Ziploc and put it in your front pocket, whatever you have to do, because the only way, Jesus is trying to say this, the only way that you're going to get through a storm in your life is if you have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about all the people. They wouldn't have defeated giants. They wouldn't have gone through uh, the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of them wouldn't have got through the storm if it wasn't for the faith in God that they had. Are you hearing me today? So it says, where is your faith? It says they were afraid and astonished, saying to one another, who then is this? That he commands even the winds and the sea and they obey him. Now we get to verse 26. This is the story that I really want us to see today and hit home from. It says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is east of Galilee. Now when Jesus stepped out on land, he was met by a man. Everybody say a man. Here in a minute you're going to see that he's a madman, that he's a crazy man, that he's full of devils. But I want to point out something. Before he was a madman and full of devils, he was somebody's son. He was somebody's nephew. Come on, he was somebody who lived in somebody's house. He was a man from the city who had possessed with demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes. This man was naked and was not living in a house, but among the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and shouted loudly, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now he was commanding the unclean spirit to come out of the man. In fact, we see this in Mark chapter 5, which we're going to go to look at the latter end of this particular text. But Jesus is rebuking this. In fact, in the Greek, it says over and over and over, he begins rebuking. For it had seized him many times, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. I'm trying to paint a picture here of how evil this person was. He was naked. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 5 that he, was, he had been cut by stones and the chains that were on him. So long before uh, these kids today that are taking razor blades and getting the attention of you and I that they want to harm themselves, this has been go- the devil has no new tricks in the bag. This has been going on for a long time. Right? There's no new tricks. Uh, uh, he has no new tricks. And so... <clears throat> Jesus begins to rebuke him, but I'm trying to paint a picture because it says that he had been in the desert for some time. You know what the desert means? It's a place of loneliness. Can I tell you today, that's why it's so important that you're in the church because what the church, what what the enemy wants to happen is for you to get offended at something and stay at home and be lonely in the desert. Forsake not the assembly of saints together. See, there is power in numbers. One can put a thousand flight to ten thousand. What the enemy wants to do is isolate you and put you in a place to be offended, upset, and and grumbling about something. But can I tell you, you fight the good fight of faith, you get through that storm, and you get in the house of God because that's where encouragement comes. That's where it builds our faith. You need to be here today. And so I'm trying to paint this picture of how bad this person was. I'm sure he was foaming at the mouth. I've witnessed this many times of people who had devils in their body. 
He has long hair, long beard. He's naked, has scars all over his body. And he's like some kind of animal standing before the Lord as he's rebuking him. But then Jesus asked him, what is your name? You know, I love this because me, I'm thinking to myself, raised in a Pentecostal charismatic home, there is shouting going on. But I don't see that right here. You know, me, us as charismaniacs, the louder we get, the more redeemed they get. Right? It's true. If you don't believe me, it's true. But I love this. He comes up here like an animal. And he goes, what's your name? Because he has authority in him, and he wants to identify what he's about to cast out. He said, what's your name? Don't you love that about Jesus? There ain't no drama in him. It's like, get the cameras right. Get the lighting right. Let's maybe have some uh, uh, steam coming up off the water and have this guy right here, and then I'm going to shout, what's your name? I see it totally different. I see Jesus totally uncontrolled and said, what's your name? Because you're somebody's boy, you're somebody's son. You belong to a home somewhere, and I want to identify where I'm about to send them. How many of y'all know if you let Jesus be in control, he'll be in control? He said, what is your name? And he answered, Legion. This, this word Legion here in the Greek, it means 6,000. That means there were 6,000 devils in him. How many of y'all know every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It says legion because many demons had entered him. Verse 31, they continually begged him not to command them to go into the abyss. This is, uh, I, I totally see Jesus under control here. He is in control. Then in verse 32, now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the mountain. The demons begged Jesus to, uh, to allow them to enter the pigs and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. History tells us this at Thanksgiving when you eat deviled ham, this is where it comes from. This is deviled ham right here, right? It's into the pigs. Pastor Ty taught us that for years. But how many of y'all know the pig has been redeemed? And we can go ahead as country folks, thank God for bacon and sausage. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm really trying to be serious right now, right? I really am thankful for bacon and sausage. Verse 35, and people came out to see what had happened. How many of y'all know when God is moving, people come? They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons uh, had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet. So here's a man who was cut up, naked, had long hair, beard, all kinds of things that were scars all over his body. Now he has experienced total salvation. He's been saved from the top of his head to the soles to the very tips of his toes. And now he is at the foot of Jesus, worshiping because every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Clothed in his right, so he, now he has clothes on in his right mind. How many of y'all know when you come to the Lord, you were naked in the world, but now he has clothed you in a robe of righteousness. He's put a ring on your finger. He's put shoes on your feet. He killed the fatted calf when you came home because Jesus is interested in lost things being found. Are you hearing me today? Hopefully you're awake. Clothed in his right mind, and the Bible says they were frightened. They weren't frightened by the naked lunatic. They weren't frightened by the guy that ate bath salts. 
They weren't frightened by the guy that was, uh, that, was, that was high on the fentanyl on the side of the road. But now that the guy was redeemed and set free and made new and saved, they were frightened. Can I tell you, that's a religious spirit. When we're not excited about people coming into the kingdom of God. Well, I don't like them. I didn't like them in the world. Now I don't like them here. Well, get that religious devil off of you. Because God has a plan for their life as well. It says, those who had seen it told them how the man who had been demon-possessed had been healed. Verse 37, sad verse alert. Sad verse alert. Then all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them. He's not talking to the madman. They're talking to Jesus. How many of y'all know it's sad when people are asking Jesus to leave? Because they were overwhelmed with fear, so Jesus got into the boat and returned. Can I tell you why they're asking him to leave? Because they are more in love with pigs than they were with the redemption that happened in his life. Can I tell you, it's a religious spirit in us when we're more concerned with pigs than we are with people getting saved? Do I even need to go down this road? Because I see people all the time, they think, well, if if, if they have things, uh, this, this, I'm glad that I changed but I'm not too worried about you changing. Because if you change, it's going to change this. And I'm not interested in changing this. You know, when it affected them, that's when it, when it really hit home to them. And they said, you know what, this guy who's bringing all this change, he's got to go. Because people are more in love with pigs. And can I tell you this? Jesus won't stay where he's not welcome. And can I tell you, dads, listen to me. In your home, Jesus will not stay where he's not welcome. So you, we need to pull out the red carpet for him. We read the word. If you want to hear from God, you read the word. If you want to hear his audible voice, read it out loud. In your home. Jesus won't stay where he's not welcome. Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> this is the end of the story, Mark five eighteen. It says, so here's this free man as he was stepping into the boat, the Gentile man who had been demon-possessed was begging with him. So this, this is the end of this right here. So Jesus is going home because they asked him to leave that he might go with him. So he's begging him. He said, he said hey, you changed my life. I'd really like to go with you like many of these disciples that, that Jesus dealt with. It says, Jesus did not let him. But he said to him, so as he's getting in the boat, I really believe this. As he's getting in, he says, where are you going? I'm going with you. He said, get out of my boat. No, 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 no. Don't get in my boat. You have to stay here because you have a job to do. This is the first missionary that Jesus sent out, right here. A demon-possessed madman. It says, Jesus did not let him, but instead he said to him, go home to your family. Can I tell you this, this madman, this crazy man, he had a home. Like I said before, this is somebody's boy, this is somebody's grandson, this is somebody's great-grandson. 
Can I tell you the biggest reason when you came to Christ or when healing came in your body or you were free from an addiction or God did restoration or you came out of a financial attack? Can I tell you this? What you need to first do is go home and you need to, you need to share that miracle with your home. You need to share it with your cousins. You need to share it with your aunts and uncles. Come on, your blood people. Everybody's got a home. You know what I love about Arena of Life? I call this place my home because all of us need a home. You know there's people out there in Amarillo, Texas today, they may have a roof over their head, but they still don't have a home. Can I tell you this? We serve a God that'll give you a home, that he'll give you the cattle on a thousand hills, that he'll stick closer than any brother to you. And he says, the first thing I want you to do is go home. That's your job. That's what you do. Everything that you do is now because of me. And I want you to go home and tell that story. He said, he said, and tell them of the great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know what? I talked about it last week, but how many of y'all can testify of all the great things with an S on the end that he's done for you? Come on, how many of y'all can testify today? All the things. So he went away and began publicly proclaiming in Decapolis, the region of the 10 Hellenistic cities. So this is 10 cities that he's supposed to go to. Because he's a Gentile, a Jew told him, it set him free, Jesus, and now he's a Gentile in this place. In fact, we know it's a Gentile place because pigs were there. Jews wouldn't have any pigs. All the great things that Jesus had done for him and all the people were astonished. They went, what? I mean, can you imagine him going to a city? You're that naked guy. You're the, you've got a scar like right here. I've seen it. You're the naked guy. You're the, you're, you're the guy. And as he comes in and he's clothed and he has a smile on his face and there is a glow about him and glory is around him. Come on. As he begins to tell the story, I'm telling you, people begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. He went from city to city. He said this, I met a king. A king was washed up on the shore when I was at the worst place, when I had shackles on my hands. See the scars right here? When I had the long hair and I was completely naked and I was foaming at the mouth and I was screaming things that I didn't, wasn't control of. A king was washed to my shore and a king called it out of me and now I'm set free. I met a savior. I met a Lord. The Bible says that they were astonished. Can I tell you, people ought to see the astonishment of what Christ has done in you and your life. We need to go. We need, we, 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 we've got to share that with someone. I want two scriptures, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about really what I believe he shared. I want to give you a little dessert, a little banana pudding, tiramisu. Come on, something right now. Romans 8, 28. 828, we all know it. It says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Psalm 107, 14 says this. He brought them out of darkness. Come on, who can testify that he's brought you out of darkness? The utter darkness and broke away their chains. You know, we all love a comeback story. I, I, we love comeback story, like a, a financial story. I talked about it uh, I referred to it in the first service. If you haven't heard Pastor Robert and Cindy's testimony of, he worked for Enron for how many years? Yeah, 30 or 40 years. And you guys know what happened with Enron. How it basically went bankrupt, lost all of his retirement overnight. Can I tell you today, they are completely debt free. 
I figured I'd get one shout from the front row. Come on. And I can testify. I shouldn't, I'm not telling their story. They can tell it sometime. But I know many of you have heard it. But the Lord has been good to them. That he's rebuked the devourer for their sake. It's a comeback story of how it looked like there's no way they would ever own a home. They'd ever, ever own another car, anything. And God rebuked the devourer for their sake. Don't you love... Don't you love a comeback story of, of somebody who, who gets word that they had cancer and the doctor said it's going to be four years, maybe four months or however long we can battle it this long and the power of God gets an operation and heals their body, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, Psalm 107.20 and you see the comeback story of what happens to them or the addict, the one who's been addicted for years, who put the needle in their arm or snorted up their nose or, you know, or smoked it through a pipe or whatever it was in years and years and years and they heard a story from somebody else if he did it for me he can do it for you and it was a comeback story for them we all love a comeback story I love it in sports when you on ESPN you hear somebody who has a bum back and they come back and they they pitch a world series winner I love it somebody who has a torn ACL and they come in and drop 50 I love it in football, all those types of things. I, you know, I got, a, I got a comeback story in my life. Uh, many of you know I graduated high school in Colorado, Longmont Christian School. My dad was my principal. But my freshman year, uh, so at this time, my junior and senior year, we switched over to the public school. We played public schools. But uh, my freshman and sophomore year, we were still involved with what's called CHASA, uh, Colorado Christian High Schools. But our, our school got so big that we had to go start playing public schools. Well, my freshman year, uh, actually, I played basketball all four years of high school. And I know I look like a basketball player. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) But what I was good at was fouling people. I was really good at that. And I was like a bulldog. I could play defense. I will not lie. I could play some good defense. I'd go in there, and I would swarm that ball, and I would die for the ball. I would do everything that I could do to get that ball. Well, our freshman year, we played this team called Community Christian. I didn't play much in the game. I went in, fouled a few people, you know, things like that. I did my job. But I remember they beat us so bad that year, and they had their nose stuck straight up at the You know, when you play somebody and they beat you bad, and they, you know, a 747 could fly up their nose because they're so stuck up when you play, go by. I remember getting in the bus that night. Now, I was young. We had, you know, everybody in the bus. It was only me and one other guy. Uh, that were freshmen even rode on the bus. And um, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say that that is not community Christian. That is communist Christian. And we will beat them next year. All right? I'm going to go ahead and put a precedence for this. But so it was the end of the season. That was the end of the season, that particular game. But how many of y'all know at the end of the season, a new season begins? I'm going to say that one more time. At the end of a season, a new season begins. Like you may just be coming out of a rough place, a rough patch, a hard time. But can I tell you, at the end of the season, all the leaves fall to the ground and things may look dead. But there's spring is coming and in spring, something buds forth and new life comes forth. So can I declare to over somebody today, you just came out of one season of something that was dead and wrong and you don't understand. But it's prepared you for a new season of growth to have new life. So anyways... We, we uh, go into that year, and we got pretty good. And this is our last year of Chassa, Colorado Christian League. And it was the very first game of playoffs, and we play communist Christian. All right? 
I remember it was neck and neck the whole game. The very, uh, it, it came down to the wire. I, you know, I think I had a good game. I had four fouls that game, almost five. One more, I'd been called out of the game. But actually, yours truly, I shot the game-winning three-point shot. Won the game. Yeah, come on. We need to pray. Yeah. It's been a long, long time ago, so I really needed that booster right now. So I haven't done it since. I, 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 I've tried to play with the boys. I can't hit nothing, all right? Many bricks. But I remember when we won that game, I was thinking to myself, I, I, I remember slapping, you know, when you're going by, I wanted to do the same exact thing to them that they did to us. Like, neener, neener, neener. You guys suck. <laughs> I'm a sophomore. I'm not even a good shooter, but I scored the game-winning shot. Let's go. Come on, somebody. I'll be signing autographs after the, after the game, all right? Come see me, all right? Communist Christian goes down to Longmont Christian because of 31, Travis Minute. I can already read it in the paper. I've seen it. Uh, but you know what? The mentality we have in the world is this. My comeback is to give a payback. But can I? It it, right? It's payback. But you know what? As I read this story and I was reading and meditating over it this week, our comeback is not for a payback. It's to give back. Amen. Amen. Come on, I'm going to say that one more time. Our comeback, what God has brought us out of and what God has done in our life, how he's redeemed us, set us free. Come on, set us on the rock to sand, pull us out of the miry uh, clay. How he's done all that for us. It's not for a payback. It's so that we can give back. The comeback is not for the payback, it's for the give back. And so what he's saying, he goes, no, you get out of my boat. I need you to go home first, tell your family, now I'm going to send you to all these 10 different cities because I need you, uh, I need you to stay right here because they're not going to listen to me, but they'll listen to you. Somebody needs to hear that today. They're not going to listen to me, but they'll listen to you. I want to share with you three things that I believe the Lord told him real quick. He said this, I believe, write this down. Number one. They won't welcome me, but they'll welcome you. You know, as a youth pastor, I remember telling kids this all the time. I remember saying to them, uh, there is kids that you'll be able to reach that I'll never be able to. Because of things in your life and the influence that you have and the things that you've gone through, I may not have the opportunity to share what God has done in my life, but you do. How many of y'all know there's some people in your life, they may not listen to somebody else, but God put them in your life for such a time as this. You know what we believe, God? We we pray for divine appointments. We pray for uh, uh, people that would come across our kids' path and share the good news, be the light of Christ in this dark world. But also, too, we need to pray that we would be a divine appointment for somebody else today. Like, give me eyes to see in Pakistan today that I, they may not be listening to somebody else, but they'll listen to me. I want to tell them uh, about the person who has changed my life, and his name is Jesus. So today, I want to commission you Think about this, that whatever it is that you do, whether you be a cowboy or whether you build bombs or you build helicopters or you sell some kind of product of some kind, think about the people that you're around. They may not listen uh, to anybody else, but they'll listen to you. They will not welcome me, but they'll welcome you. Number two is this. You're the most effective witness. I believe he was telling me, he said, no, no, get, get your foot out of my boat. Because you're going to be the most effective witness. I believe he was telling him at that time, see these scars that are in your hands? 
They're not to disqualify you. They're qualifying you. Oh, oh man. The battle that you just went through is now going to be a big blessing to you. I believe the struggle that you went through is now going to become your story. I believe the mess is now going to become the message. Because you're the most effective witness. You know, I'm not your guy. When somebody comes in my room or, or into my office and says, you know what, Pastor, I just, I, I, I keep going back to the bottle or I keep going back. I believe there's an anointing on my life. But uh, like in the first service, we had LaVonda in here and we have Pastor Shannon here on the front row, even Carrie and uh, Pastor Brandy. I don't know what that's like, but there's other people in this room that are effective because they've been there. They've been at the bottom. See, you think those scars are just to haunt you the rest of your life. No, those scars are to propel you of who you're supposed to be and the story you're supposed to tell. Come on, don't let the enemy get you shame, guilt, condemnation all over you because of what you've done. Let it propel you to make a difference in the world we live in today. Come on, let your comeback be a cause for him today. Number three is this. I'm going to ask the, the, the band to come forward. I'm, almost, I'm coming to a close. But I believe the third thing that Jesus was telling this madman was Jesus wants to expand my cause. And I'm going to do it by using you. These people were Gentiles. They, they've already wrote off this Jew named Jesus. So you need to stay here. You need to stay here and you need to make a difference. This is the first missionary that was once a madman, now he's been turned around and God wants to use him. So get this. Number one, they will not welcome me, but they'll welcome you. Number two, because you're the most effective witness. Number three, Jesus wants to expand his cause through you. You know, as I was thinking about this, as I was thinking about this story, I was thinking about the roads that he went down. How he would come to a road, how he'd come to a city, and I'm sure in his subconscious he would come back to a place like I've been here before. I remember when I was naked, all alone, sitting in a ditch right over there. And now the same people that I'm sharing Jesus with, they were the ones that walked right by me. I'm so glad God has commissioned me talking about dusty trails uh, there's times I reminisce I think that's where my daughter Addison gets it sometimes she just looks like to look at old photos but I have in my office here and at my office at home I have piles of notebooks all the way back from uh, my years in college that I would just journal and write and I still do it today of what the Lord is sharing with me of kind of what's going on in my life. And, and, you know, I don't think that's for everybody, but I'll tell you, for me, it's always good for me to go back and see how good God's been to me. But I went back, and I was looking at 2006, and Addison, I remember when you were born. I remember how much it changed in me, some little things that I wrote inside of there. I remember in 2008, in uh, 2009, in that area where doctors told us that we wouldn't have babies. We went through the miscarriages that we went through that doctors told us that there's, there's no way because of the chromosome in Brandy's body and the chromosome in mine that we'd never have kids again. But then I, I skip over to 2011. 
And this little bomb boy came into our life. When doctors told us, they told us, they said, um, they said, even if you do have a baby, that they'll have defects. But I'm telling you, we got a boy here on the front row. He's perfect. We got two, two children on the front row that are perfect. Amen. But then I, st- I skipped to October 2011. I told myself I wasn't going to cry, but as I was looking at this, I lost one of my best friends. My Aunt Donna's only son, Randall. My best friend. Oh, it broke my heart. Gosh, broke my heart broke my heart I mean I cried for weeks and days and months I saw in my journal there at the time where actually my hard uncle Van calling me I remember I was shooing and he called me and he was very broken himself my hard 27 year sergeant major army calling me and said I'm so worried about your aunt And I remember having the strength to pray with him on the phone when really I was thinking, I need strength myself. Not to be selfish, but I don't understand this. But then I skipped the page again. And I see that Randall had a little girl named Riley. I may not understand that particular chapter. But as I just keep going through there, there may be some loss and heartache and things that I don't understand. But I can tell you this. All my life, he has been faithful. All my life, he's been so, so good. And even at a place where, you know, I hope you see this. Anybody telling their story. My aunt. She's so full of joy. She is a blessing to be around. And that was a hard time for all of us. My uncle and the softness that God's done in his heart. I'm telling you, we have a story to tell that the Lord is faithful. And so as I was going down them old dusty roads, I thought about this guy going down them old dusty roads. Saying, oh my gosh, I remember cutting myself right over here. I remember passing out over here. I remember chained and locked up over here and over here and over here. But now I'm here. But now I'm here. And I can tell you this all my life, you have been faithful. All my life. Been faith. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, I'm gonna see all the goodness of God. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you 
that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.